0: Well, here it is. Awesome, Matt. Welcome to the Future of Fashion Business Podcast. Thanks for being on.
1: Thank you, Esteban. I appreciate uh you thinking of me and look forward to, to the conversation.
0: Likewise, likewise, very excited. Let's see, where <clears> shall <throat> we begin? I guess most important thing is, I mean, I always I always find it very, very difficult to introduce anybody, whether it be yourself or other people. But it is important for my audience to have a very general understanding of who you are and what you do and i think you'd be able to give a much better introduction about who you are and what you do than i would so can you just give us a very brief background on you know who matt is and what you guys do at sportique sure so um so my name is matt altman uh, co-founder and ceo
1: of sportique uh, apparel uh we started the company in 2006 Prior to that, I really kind of cut my teeth in merchandising in professional sports. Uh, I was director of merchandise for the Phoenix Suns and Arizona Diamondbacks for 12 years. And uh, in that role, I really kind of dove into everything from design to um, sourcing, supply chain operations, warehousing, inventory, sales, marketing, uh, event merchandising. Um, You name it, um, was, you know, had a really good experience in all those disciplines that led to um, joining with my business partner to start Sportique, where we really saw a niche in the marketplace to deliver better lifestyle apparel to the destination retail channel, um, which would include like professional sports, music, entertainment, hospitality, tourism, a lot of corporate retail, things of that nature
0: interesting and at the very beginning was the competitive or the the gap in the marketplace that you spotted was it focused on design for those specific markets or there was no there was wasn't really any product being uh, yeah i mean it's a
1: great it's a great question so back if you think back 2004 2005 in the licensing space the product offering it was very i would say vanilla it was very heavyweight boxy uh, t-shirts um, really no design aesthetic to <clears throat> to the to the uh, to the fabric or the embellishment and things of that nature is really kind of like loud and proud fan wear um, or it was jerseys you know jerseys and and specific headwear and so <clears throat> what what we saw was a, a displaced you know consumer or fan if you will who understands fashion, understands quality apparel. Maybe they're shopping at a better department store like Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's or they're shopping at a boutique and they're used to a better hand in fabric. They're used to a better fit and things of that nature. And so the whole inspiration around starting Sportique was taking that inspiration from, from boutique trends in terms of fit, fashion, feel, color trends, design embellishments, things of that nature, infuse it with classic sportswear, tried and true silhouettes, timeless, uh, if you will, and really deliver a, a more elevated um, uh, apparel experience for that space.
0: Right. So it's all about increasing the product quality, essentially. Correct. Correct. Yep. Interesting. And you mentioned that your background was more merchandising. Would you say that your most important skill now is still merchandising or as you've <clears throat> grown the company, your skill and expertise has sort of switched.
1: It's a, um, it's very interesting. Cause as you, as you grow a business, um, the important focus is usually your product and service. And as you scale, it becomes people. And so we're at that point now where a lot of my focus is people, org structure, and um, so I'm less hands-on in product as before. I was highly involved in product development, working with factories, working with our supply chain partners, um, day-to-day things. So, yeah, as as the business has scaled, it becomes more. My focus becomes more people-centric. Mm. Um then product centric, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm, of course. And what's been the biggest change? Has it been adapting to a new mindset almost, or just literally expanding your skill tool belt from scratch? What's been the most challenging part? Or if you if you could describe that transition, because I mean you you you're you're accustomed to doing things in a certain way for so long, and all of a sudden the business demands a completely new different level of skill set how do you approach that change? Is it a conscious effort? Does it come through mistakes? Um, can you describe it? A yeah, little it's more? all
1: of the above first. It's a conscious effort for sure. It cut. And then it's, um, yeah, of course there's, there's going to be some mistakes that happen that help you, that help you learn. Um, but I think the first thing is understanding, okay, we've now hit a critical point point in the in the growth of the company where it needs more it needs more people it needs more Mm -hmm. scale it needs more structure and um, so that's where I need to put my attention and I need to then have some of the product things solved by other people
0: Mm -hmm. right so and now that you have a very good understanding of what's required when you're starting out versus what's required to scale do you think if you had to go back and do it all again, would you focus on the team and the people first, or would you, do you still? Do you think that every single entrepreneur has to go through that phase of you do everything yourself or you get your <clears throat> hands dirty?
1: Well, I think every entrepreneur when they're starting, you've got to be completely hands-on, and you need to be <clears throat> dialed into what you are delivering to. Mm-hmm market to the consumer. Mm -hmm. So in our, in my situation, it's the product. Uh, Some entrepreneurs, might be their service, the service that they're providing or that, or that their company is providing. And so I think it's so important to validate that your, you have a product that will um, be well received in the marketplace and can scale and once you have validated and you know that then you can start really putting your focus towards scaling hmm. and then you've got to really start building a team you have to have a team of people that can really support you know th- those those efforts right and i think it's an evolutionary uh, it's an evolutionary process but i think the biggest challenge for an entrepreneur is you know they're doing everything at the beginning and then that next stage is you have to start letting go you start you need to start building the right uh, team the right people around you to be able to um, share the passion share the vision and move as fast as <clears throat> you can move so you can keep you know growing and, and scaling
2: interesting. and
1: so now where sportique is it's very interesting because you know we're now building you know kind of a middle layer of management within the business to where now the team that helped grow the company to where it is now they're needing to now go through that process of letting Mm -hmm. go and leveling up to be, you know, more of an exec, an executive for the, for the company.
0: Interesting. And what is the biggest challenge there? Is it your responsibility to teach them how to approach it? Or is it your responsibility to identify people that can go through that learning process?
1: Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's really identifying who, um, uh, can really help and who has the skills in certain areas to help you evolve the your business um, there's a great book called who not how and basically it boils down to if you have to start figuring out how to do something you've lost hmm. you know so really figuring out who can help you know, who can help solve this problem who can help grow this area who can help in whatever area, Um, I'll give you a great example. We, um, in 2019, we built uh, almost a 30,000 square foot production facility to handle all of our screen printing, applique, decoration, um, sewing, and then warehousing, fulfillment, and all that kind of stuff. And um, launched it in 2020, COVID happened, we don't need to go there. But as we've come out of COVID and we've grown and scaled the business, we've realized we needed to improve our operational efficiencies around workflow, um, capacity, things of that nature. And so I recognize we really need to adopt lean principles, Lean Six Sigma principles. And so really it was like, okay, we don't know how to do that. We need to find out who can help us. So we found the right, you know, Lean Six Sigma specialist to really come in, work with our team and get us to where we are, you know, Lean Six Sigma certified throughout the facility and things of that nature. So that's like just one example, but I feel like that's, if you're just starting as a solo entrepreneur, you can't do everything by yourself. Right. Right. So who, who can help? Who's, you know, and I, I, I even say this cause I've mentored a lot of, you know, startups and young entrepreneurs and there's, you know, there's that notion from Simon Sinek, start with why, which I think is great. and I'm not knocking it. I think that's an important question you need to answer, but I would say, start with who, mm. you know, really who can, who can help. Right. So, um, if you are a designer and you are looking to bring your designs to life you're gonna need someone to help you with manufacturing or production or something Mm -hmm. we can't try i think sometimes entrepreneurs think they have to do all those things do the thing that you're the best at and then look to find people to help you with the other stuff
0: Interesting. And what are some telltale signs on when sh- that the question that you ask yourself the why versus the who? Well,
1: I think when you get stuck, right. When you feel that tension and you're really stuck, um <clears throat> it has to really kind of step back and ask that question.
2: Mm. Interesting. Because
1: when things are flowing right and things are going great, everything's fine. You don't, you know, it's but when we hit tension, when we hit walls, when we things aren't, aren't getting solved the right way. <clears throat> that's a great time to step back and and ask that, you know,
0: that question. Interesting. And when you're thinking about walls in business, how many walls have you personally had to encounter? <laughs> like the big <laughs> ones, right? I think, I think every, I mean, every entrepreneur can oh. look back at their career and see like, Oh, there was a lot of challenges of course, <sighs> but these are the major, like I, I, I can divide my process in like these particular three stages or two stages, right. Of, of, of development that, that, what, what were those for you? Uh,
1: I mean, there's, in one sense, it's going to sound like I'm dodging your question, but in one sense, there's too many to count. Right. And then in one sense, with the mindset that we have, there aren't any walls. You just keep moving. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to move harder and faster or stronger um, than other times um, you know, we've had many challenges where we've been faced with, I mean, COVID was a a big one, right? And that wasn't one that we brought on, that was brought on all of us, right? We all had to face our own unique challenges around that. But I think as you look to grow, um, you know, there's always, um, especially when you start, I think the things that um, especially as a, <clears throat> as, an, as a young entrepreneur, the first thing that you're focused on is getting your product right and getting a sale, getting mm. it sold into the marketplace, right? You're not thinking about cash flow. You may not be thinking entirely about profit and things of that nature. It's like, can I build this product? Do I have an audience that wants it, mm. right? Right. So I think what, so you, so there's that first wall. The second wall then is okay. Now I've I've just spent the last two years running, doing all this. What are my number like? Are, what do are my numbers look like? Are we profitable? Do we have good margins?
0: Yeah, can we you know, grow this? Of,
1: yeah, things of that nature. That now if we if we add <clears throat> fifty more more accounts, what does that do to our margins and bottom line and what help do we need, you know, to, to get there and, you know, and then you're, again, you're managing inventory. That's a whole new, that becomes a whole new challenge as you're looking. Cause our business model is we design spec um, and produce our apparel collection. And we then take an inventory position on blanks. Hmm. So we'll have in our warehouse, we've got you know, blank inventory that our clients can then come to us and say, okay, I want this, this type of design on your hoodie, X amount of units. And then we're pulling from our inventory and and producing. So managing inventory levels, that becomes a whole nother uh, challenge and wall and wall to, to, to deal with. Yeah. And then as you start building your culture and you start building your team, Um, you know, for the longest time, Sportique was 18 to 25 employees. Now we're 94 employees. So as you grow and add more people, how to maintain the culture Mm. and continue to make sure the culture stays healthy and thrives just as how you had it before. That's really hard. So that's why I say, my focus becomes more people-centric than product-centric.
0: Interesting. And talking about more of that first challenge and that first hurdle, which involves more sort of like the product and customer and making sure that your product is something that the marketplace actually wants and the complexities that that arise between that relationship. I think that that's where most people are, of course, listening because 90-something percent of brands never... Kick off, and it's usually because they get stuck <clears throat> at that stage. Uh, and I think specifically, people have the desire and the motivation, the vision creatively. You know, they know what they want to create, but knowing what you want to create and making that a, a physical reality and a scalable reality is a completely different topic. That's where manufacturing issues come into place, production, inventory, all those things. So, I I, I guess the the question that I want to ask you is, what do you think are the most important principles an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur should focus on when they're at that stage in their business, when they're trying to find the right manufacturer, when they're messing up the orders, when they're messing up their 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 the management of the orders and production. What 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 principles do you think could guide entrepreneurs through that very uh complicated and unpredictable process?
1: Yeah, so I would say first, <clears throat> um, really. Uh, developing a uh, strong grit muscle. And what I mean by that is just perseverance, stick-to-itiveness, like, and just keep at it. Right? I think what happens is, uh, I think that's to me what really makes an entrepreneur. It's not necessarily the product or the idea. It's that they were able to bring it to life and get it to market. That is super hard. And it takes a lot of will. It takes a lot of effort and it's going to take trial and error. You're going to fail. So you have to, you have to, um, learn quick, adapt quick and keep moving. And so that's not for everybody, (laughs) you know? So, um, I think you know harvard business school i think one of the books that they have their you know their entrepreneurship group read is the book called grit by angela duckworth and um it's for that those reasons that i just said because um it really kind of sets your mindset right to get through all the things that you have to, to to get through um you know those first iterations of of product that I, oh, look, uh, we, we had issues where sizing was off, color was off, and we had thousands of units that arrived, right? And so it forced us to really improve our processes and how we were handling quality control, you know, at the factory level and at our level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are, they're not fun mistakes to make, but they really teach you super valuable, you know, you know, lessons. Uh, along, along the way. Um, so I think, I think grit is a big one. I think understanding and having the humility to make mistakes and learning from those stakes as a means to grow. Mm. I think, you know, early failures, probably the best seeds for success. Right. So especially early on, because <clears throat> As you get bigger, a bigger failure could have huge, huge implications. Of course. But I think in those early stages, yeah, I mean that's what it's all about: fail mm. fast, figure it out. You know, we pivoted to a, from a supply chain partner within the first six six months to a new one, to then a new one, and then a new one, So we really found one that could we could have good run runway with um, for a
0: long period of time. Interesting. And do you think education and preparation can decrease the amount of mistakes you encounter at that process? Or you, do you think it's one of those challenges you sort of like have to make those mistakes? Well, because the thing about yeah. sourcing and manufacturing, it's so it's so people based, right? It's like, it's like building relationships with a future girlfriend or wife or husband that you could read all the books that you want about the topic. But if you don't get heartbroken, you're not going to learn how to do it. Right.
1: So I agree 100%. I think it's a balance, right? And I think you can have analysis of paralysis. And I don't think that's what is needed when you're an entrepreneur starting. You. That's why I think to, to start, you know, it's great. I I would recommend and I do recommend where it's where it's applicable. There's always those unicorns that can come out of college and and start a business but i think getting experience um building your network
2: mm.
1: you know uh, those are huge things so that when you do start you have more knowledge at your fingertips and you have more hoods <clears throat> in your pocket to work with right we just kind of talked about we kind of talked about it of course but it's like it's like you know if i if I want to uh, learn how to make a uh, food, make doing a dish and I could just read uh, every recipe on how to make a certain dish. Well, at some point, like you have to start making the dish. You can only read so many recipes. Right. And then, and then once you make it, it's like, if you don't taste it, how are you going to know if this is even right? So it's no different. Like at some point you've got to then, uh, the analogy that, uh, I like to use is push the boat off the dock because once the, if you think about it, once a boat gets pushed off the dock, it starts moving away, starts getting out to sea and it starts to go on its journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to do as entrepreneurs. Like, Hey, what is, what is that thing that's going to help push the boat off the dock and get me going?
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like the 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 root of the problem is more managing expectations, your own expectations correctly, right? Because I think that when you're approaching product development in general, you automatically assume that you're going to do the things right the first time, but it's more you learning how to manage your mistakes productively. And you can only do that by having the right expectations. So instead, in, when, whenever you're starting anything, instead of assuming that the <clears throat> first partner that you will find is going to be the right partner, assume that it's probably not going to be and analyze if that mistake is something that you can make from a cash flow perspective.
1: Well, yeah. And, and the other, yes, that's, I think that's an okay mindset to have, but I just think it's, I think you still have to, if you're clear in your vision of what you want to create mm. and the, partner that presents something to you isn't even close right then you really have to make it you have to look at did I communicate everything correctly Mm -hmm. right and if I did then maybe this isn't going to be the right partner because and that's what I've learned you know through through trial and error and experience is um
0: the filtering process if,
1: if yeah so if someone can deliver to me maybe 80, 90% of what I was looking for. And I can then say, Oh, just a tweak here, tweak there. They can get me to a hundred percent. Great. Mm. But if, if that first pass, they can't even get to nine, eighty, ninety 90%. And it could take a number of iterations. Probably don't have the right, the right partner. Right. Um, just because, it's, you know, they're now now they're having to figure something out um, more so than than what is required. And that's that's going to be really hard because then they're not even set up production wise to do what you're looking for.
0: Right. Which is why it's so important to have a very asserted vision and understanding of what you want to create, not only from a vision perspective, but also when it comes to the specifics of the product. Right. Because if you don't have an assertive foundation, you cannot make decisions, you cannot qualify anybody based on what direction you need to go to.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if we're specifically talking apparel, then ensuring that, you know, you have good tech packs with good instructions on fabric and fit and measurements and color and label placement, anything, you know, that's basically your blueprint. And what I've seen most recently with just the work is when our suppliers can take those tech packs and be able to turn it to what we wanted without even seeing any kind of um, inspiration or other kind of samples, then it's like, okay, that's great, Mm.
0: you know? Interesting. And any specific tools or technology that you think is very, very helpful nowadays? Well, I mean, we've used, you know,
1: for the most part, Adobe for quite building our tech packs. Actually, our team is—I'm sorry—I don't have the name off the top of my head—is—is—is—is is, is is, uh, transitioning to a new tech pack software. But for the most part, we were using Adobe creating our own.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Awesome. And from, a, from what 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 do you think about simplicity? And focus in the in this part of, in this part of the process, because I think it's it's. Well, we
1: have we have up on our wall in the in the creative space uh, a a sign that says "simple is better." Mm. So I don't know. Does that help answer your question?
0: No, a hundred percent. Because I think I think people look at problems very. Um, what's the word, right word to say? They look at problems on a very superficial level. Right. Uh oh, I'm having a lot of challenges with my manufacturing, it's my communication or it's my emails. But I think very few people take the time to analyze their root problems or the root causes of most of their problems. And when it comes to early on product development, I think most of the problems can be solved through being very focused, very disciplined on keeping things extremely simple. Don't go for a full collection, don't go for weird things focus more on having a very specific and unique maybe proposal within the simplicity and within a very simplistic and restrictive almost. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. No, because, because it's, it's, it's the easiest way to learn, right? Like if you want to learn a language, it's easier to learn with English only not with English, French, Italian. I think with manufacturing, people get so excited to create products, to create collections, to do this, to do that, different colors, different sizes, that it brings on this whole world of mistakes that wouldn't necessarily need to be something that they, they would have to go on through. They would just had the discipline from the very beginning. But ironically, we go back to the same question, which is: Do you need to get? Do you need to burn your hands in order to learn those lessons, right? Or can you just listen to this conversation and apply it? Well,
1: you know. Um... You tell a kid, the stove is hot, don't touch it. And the, the young kid has no idea what what does hot mean. And you're telling them, don't touch it, it's hot. But they don't know what that means. Hmm. Should they just listen to you? Most of the time, at least I'll speak from my experience, when that was told to me, I touched it to see what that was. And as soon as I touched it, I was like, holy, you know, you recoil, it's hot. Okay, now I know. So there's an element of us where we have to go through an experience to really learn and understand. So I think what, you know, could be helpful just from people listening to this conversation or what has been helpful for me in whether it was talking with mentors or industry people in industry giving me advice or in books is having those having awareness is just half the battle so if i'm aware of certain things that's going to help me make better choices and decisions along the way and i think what's been really helpful for me um as as an entrepreneur is having those people those resources around me to help um, create bridges to move Mm. and grow the the business because the line the landmines are there they're they're completely out there big time and so um really understanding what's in front of you you can maybe really avoid landmines that doesn't mean you don't you're gonna avoid the problems you're not you can't avoid the problems because actually part of growing a business literally is solving problems Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah especially your customer Solving problems for yourself, and guess what? This the bigger you get, the bigger and more problems that you get to to solve. They don't go away,
0: of course. <laughs> Interesting, and, and that's
1: not a bad thing either. Yeah, it's that's just the just, nature that's of, the,
0: of the nature part of, of the nature of
1: growth. Art. It's part of evolution. It's part of learning.
0: Yeah, mm. and when you're looking at mistakes or, or problem solving specifically. How many of those, if you had to distribute them, distribute them in a percentage, maybe how much of it is external. So you not having specific skills, you messing up in specific decisions or tangible decisions versus how much of it is internal, specific insecurity, lack of skill, a lack of awareness, a lack of insight, a lack of reflection. How would you distribute? Um, it's
1: between... a good question. Um, you know I, I think back to things that were out of our hand and it's like what could we have done differently to maybe have that problem not have happened or mistake happen whether it was um product coming to us where the color was off or the size wasn't right and you know could how could we ha- and so that taught us things where okay it wasn't technically our fault it was the factory's fault but we didn't also have certain measures in place to Mm. protect ourselves before the good ship to make sure they were correct right right? so it's a little so i mean it's a little bit of both right Mm. because from there we put measures to have more inline in more inline inspection to more um, inspection when goods were boxed up and packed and before it shipped. And so what I would say from that, we we um, were able to stop a lot of things from shipping um, and get it fixed before it shipped, which to me, that's, that's a huge win because you right. just, you don't want the product showing up and then it's like, what do you do? So I would, I, I'd say there's always an element of it being internal and external Hmm. um, because you become partners with these people. Right. So their problems become yours and vice versa.
0: Interesting. And when analyzing internal versus external problems, because it's almost as if internal problems require principles and external problems require systems and processes. No, is that a good way yeah, to summarize, yes. it or kind of?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, and I think internally you need to. Um, that really becomes really knowledge driven. Your experience driven. Um, you know, how conscious of you are you around your process, um, and systems to even make sure all those things are being you know taken care of. But man, I tell you what getting burned once that really wakes you up and teaches you right so Mm
0: -hmm. and when you're when you're reflecting on those problems or those challenges or those mistakes how do you differentiate when it is a mistake that needs to be solved through developing principles core principles within the company like maybe culture versus just improving or developing systems and processes
1: yeah i think it's i think it's First of all, you want to just start getting to the root cause and start, Mm. you know, understanding why, why this happened um, and, and what are we learning, you know, from it? And is this a systemic problem? Meaning, is this going to be repeatable over and over? Or was this just, wow, an, an anomaly kind of scenario? And if it starts becoming systemic, then it's usually what I've seen with us is, is as we've grown something that we couldn't see from where we were before wasn't a problem till growth made it a problem. Mm. Right. So, so now what it's a, you know, what got us here, isn't going to get us to the next, the next phase. So now we have to almost mini reinvent ourselves and rebuild better Mm. to get to, but as you rebuild you've got so much goodwill and knowledge and experience from how you got here to help you get to the next, that next, you know, phase, whether it's a new process, new system, you know, things of, things of that nature. And that was really, you know, my example earlier of us really wanting to develop lean six Sigma in our facility. It was like, okay, if we're going to continue to scale, it's not going to work the way we're working we need to be way more efficient. We need more visibility. We need better flow. Uh, we need better documentation. We need better sharing of knowledge um, throughout the facility of, of what's happening and things of that nature. And so, um, yeah, I think we're, you always have to be looking towards the future. You always have to be, you know, thinking long-term of how I'm going to, you know, continue to, uh, you know, to evolve because, um, otherwise you're going to get stagnant.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So you can't see that the problem lies in the foundations until you've built the house. And then once you've identified problems with that foundation, you have to rebuild the house from scratch, but it will be easier or more efficient because you already built the house before.
1: Yeah, Exactly. interesting and 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 i think some of the risk is taken away right because you've already been
0: established right so um interesting and when you're trying to analyze supply chain efficiency or or not not really efficiency but i guess if you guys are going on the right track what are you what are what are some specific principles that you, you, two, you you try to optimize for? Is it like, for example, when you, when you try to optimize something for a financial perspective, you look at, you know, cash flow, profit costs, et cetera, et cetera. When, it, when you're talking about supply chain efficiency, is it speed? Is it quality? Um, what are your benchmarks for progress?
1: Yeah. So you hit two of them. So lead time, quality service. Hmm. Um, and so and so to me those are those are really essential because um, if you can't get your product in the right amount of time you're not going to be able to you know work properly with your you know customers and things of that nature
2: mm. if you're
1: not getting the right quality you know that's you know that's going to be a that's totally reflects on you know the product and in and use for the the consumer and then you know to me service is just super important like oh price i'd throw in price you know too um but service is really important in terms of how you're working with one another do your partners align to the same you know values of the of the company and and when something goes wrong, how are you going to, how are they going to help you? How are you going to support one another through, through trials and tribulations uh, with stuff? Because look, we're talking manufacturing. It's not perfect. Something could go wrong. And how do you guys have those conversations and communicate and solve problems, you know, together? So that's, um, you know, really building, you know, trust, uh, for, you know, through that. Um, and then it's, you know, really managing that whole, that whole process Mm -hmm. of, and so, and then really what matters the most, right? So, um, you know, I, I also understand that on the other side of the table, they're operating a business. So if they're operating a business, what is their, their goal? Their goal is to make something, sell something and how, and be profitable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so if they can't be profitable they're not going to be able to deliver me quality quality uh products and and a and, and and great service and at the times when i when i need it so maybe obviously yeah price needs to be important but um i don't want to water down the quality because of price and the service because if they can't do what they need to do Then i'm not going to be able to do what i want to do Mm. right so it's really where is that win 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 right then there's times where you where you just want price you don't care about the other stuff right so really understanding what matters the most to you and what you're what you're working what you're working on with with this like you know i'll give you an example around our ink supplier so our ink supplier for our production facility look there's many distributors and there's many different people that can sell me ink, you know, I, but the person that I work with is giving me impeccable service. He's in our facility every day, weekly, ensuring that we have everything that we need um, to operate efficiently. So they're, they're solving a uh, you know, and taking, taking something that's really important to us and they're solving for it, I don't have to think about it. Hmm. Just have to make sure that, you know, that they're going to stock the inks. They're going to make sure we have everything we need. So to me, um because at the end of the day, like you're going to pay a similar price to everyone, but service, that kind of service means a lot.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And do those partnerships that will make that process easier do you think partnerships are found or partnerships are developed both
1: yeah i mean I, I mean our current supply chain partner was was developed um and a lot of time was put into developing you know that um but i mean i still have to find it mm. but um but yeah i think there's there's an element of, of both in that question but i think to do it right you've got to really develop mm. yeah
0: so it's the contrast to term, building a team i think almost. for long
1: i think for long term sustainability yes
0: mm. yeah okay so, it's almost the opposite of building a team. When you're building a team, you're looking to find the right person versus, necess- I mean, of course, you have to do a little bit of both and both, but I'm talking about predominantly uh, finding the right person. Yeah, but in the supply chain
1: it. side, you have to find
0: course, course, those course,
1: people. But yeah. once we found it, we really de- developed. We actually found people that could do this for us, but then we really developed the them and the the supply chain in a very unique way uh Mm -hmm. for for our business
0: of course interesting and back when we were talking about you know the the cycle of building the houses of a business as an analogy and the never-ending cycle of that process what do you think do you find yourself in a in a in a time and space where you'll soon have to sort of build everything back up again or do you think you're uh you're well into the beginning well, of the cycle once again
1: i will i'll i'll i tell you what i'll I, the the house analogy is great but maybe i'll change it a little bit that might make a little more more sense so we don't please so we don't look at we don't look at it like we're tearing something down because i think it's just continuous improvement more than anything think of a video game so when you're playing a video game, uh, Nintendo Donkey Kong video game, you 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 pass a certain level, you get to a new level, and sometimes when you get to that new level, you're dealing with new challenges, maybe a new screen, new different um, tasks that you have to do, right? But you're still playing the same game. But now you've passed that level, you get to the next level, the next level, the next level. And every time you get to a next level, you get to see something completely new. You get new people, there's again a new landscape, new colors, whatever it is in that game. And I think that's kind of how I would really equate this is as you, you scale and grow, you get to another level. And when you get mm-hmm. to another level, you get you have all new experiences. Mm. So as we scaled and we built a production facility, having our own production facility, that was a whole new experience, whole new way of running the business, looking at the business than how we we did before. And as we continue to grow the business direct to consumer, as we continue to grow the business globally, we're going to be having new experiences,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, which, again, create new challenges, new problems to solve. Um, but we're still playing the same game.
0: Hmm. And do you think there's specific events or challenges that can truly end that game for you? COVID is an example or, or AI now in the horizon. Do you do you think about those things often or not? Really? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, you brought you brought up AI, not me.
1: I don't <laughs> think AI <laughs> is here to take anything down. I think AI is here to help. Hmm. It's 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 how you it's how we really look to engage and use AI to help uh, businesses help humans um, things things of that nature. So um, I think you know it's a very cliche uh, thing to, for me to say, but I think you know you've heard the only constant is change. So. All AI is gonna do is change how things are done and and if it's and if you interact with AI correctly, it's gonna be for the better. Mm. It's not gonna take away, it should add. I, I I'll know in my I'll tell you in my short experience in using AI, I've become smarter. I've learned faster through engaging with AI than if I didn't. So, um, I think there's new opportunities for humanity. That's that we can't even see. That's going to come from the use of AI, and I think that's okay. Hmm. I think what I think the problem for humanity is we if we when we get lost in the technology, we get lost in the AI, and we forget who we are as humans. Then, then that's that's not good. But. Uh, AI isn't here to replace or disrupt, or uh, you know tear anything down hmm. I think it will and to be honest Esteban AI has probably been around for and I'm I'm just estimating 60 plus years we're just yeah. really seeing it in mainstream of course the last you know yeah. one or two years yeah. So. Okay,
0: and taking advantage that we're speaking about the future, whatever that means, because uh, you never truly know whether it is AI or it is whatever else is out there, how often do you – how much time do you spend thinking and planning for the future versus reacting for the, today and the challenges of today? Well,
1: it's
0: a good question.
1: So where I am – where I have worked to position myself – is uh, what I call the, um, there's three three states that I would say for for our business. And I would say anyone, anyone's business. Uh, current state, future state, and interim state. Hmm. And I wanna live in the interim state. So that interim state means I am really focusing on the future state of the business. Current state is day-to-day operations. That doesn't mean I don't get involved in day-to-day operations, but I want the majority of my time focusing on the future state and looking to the future of where we're, where we're going, Mm -hmm. knowing then we have the right team in place to handle those day-to-day operations. So if I'm doing my job right, I should be looking 12, 24 months out Mm -hmm. and even further, Like We set loftier goals, you know, seven, 10 years out that helped me make decisions today on where we're going.
0: Right. That makes, that makes sense. A hundred percent. And what, what about when you encounter specific situations where your attention does have to focus on the present moment, maybe a, a very important higher left or COVID is happening or something massively affected cash flows, how do you redistribute your attention? Is that, is it a transitionary period? Well, okay. For this particular time, moment, many time for this quarter, we'll do this, we'll fix it. And then we'll come back to what we usually.
1: Okay. So let's use COVID as an example. So I think it's a,
0: it's a good
1: frame of reference for all of us. And, and I have, I'll give you great experience share, you know, from it. So you've already heard me say, I like to think to the future always forward thinking and so part of being able to do that is having vision and, and being able to see, right? Mm. When COVID happened, couldn't see a darn thing. And so basically it was literally, and I'm not kidding, day to day, right?
0: Survivor. What, I wake up,
1: yeah. What? how do I just get through the day? What do we need to do to get through today? Mm. That was really, so it really shrunk, right? And so when we meet as an exec team, you know, we we, we really focus on 90-day in increments. And there's a lot of science and data behind, you know, how far you can really set goals and plan. So, yes, we have, you know, one-year, two-year, three-year goals, but we will always come back to these 90-day increments and what is our focus over the next 90 days. So when it came down to me, like, it came down to, okay, I can't even see you know tomorrow so we just focused on today and then as soon as we were able to to have some more clarity on what was happening we stretched it to two days to where we were able to just plan for a week and i remember it was like a big big deal when when we started planning 30 days mm. right and then, um, so if you think about taking the same focus that we would in 30 days and we drilled it all the way down to just one day, and then we were able to start stretching to 30, 60 and, you know, back to 90 days and things of that nature. So I think it's, I think, um, so much is dependent on what we can see and what, uh, how our, what our vision looks like to the, to the future. And, and so, um, and that takes practice that takes time. So if you're starting, you know, uh, you know from ground, you know, from the beginning, I think it's always important to really see what is the vision that you want to create and kind of really put that stake in the ground of what that looks like. Cuz that creates tension, healthy tension and all tension, well, I will just say tension is what is required for something to grow and all it is is just energy. Of course. And it helps provide focused direction for you to move in a certain certain way and as you learn certain things you start pivoting this way that way and you know things that things of that of that nature but i think um i think it's always important to think and look long term as best as you can because that helps move you along the process so
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know if you want to drive from la to new york you cannot see the road You just, but you have the vision and you know, I'm driving to New York,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And so now you start driving and as you, and you start, you start, you know, going along the the highway and that path, you know, you start seeing certain things and you start learning and you might find, oh, bad weather is in Nebraska. I'm going to move up, you know, to this state and, you know, cut a, you know, cut across. Right. Mm -hmm. But my destination is still New York. That's my focus. Mm -hmm.
0: Um. So, and did that change during COVID? Like COVID, as a perfect example of something like this, was it such an extreme situation where you didn't even know what the last you didn't even know if you were heading? Yeah. So.
1: So yeah. So COVID was yeah. So it was. It was. It was. It was uh, super challenging for us because our clientele, for the most part, their their businesses were predicated on foot traffic. Mm -hmm. So events. So we, if you think about it, you know, when going, you know, coming into COVID, like our big time of year was going to be the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, summer tourist business, concerts, mm. um, you know, resorts, things of that nature. All, you know, where, you know, required people to congregate and be in person. So all that went away, gone. So, um, you know, uh, we did well with our own direct to consumer business. And then that we, we do, we did have, and we still do have a lot of good clients who had an e component to their business. And that, you know, um, was great, but I mean, geez, our first, but what I did, what I did do after the first week or two, you know, went, you know, started working with the sales team and so, say, okay, what's our projections? And their initial thoughts were like, I don't know, like, we don't know. I said, well, we let's, we have to still stretch our muscle. We still have to stretch and put a budget together. We still have to, we still, just because COVID happened, doesn't mean we just drop your, you know, business practices and all the things that you need to do to operate a business. It's just now the game has changed. The information's different now the, with what we know today what are the decisions What that we're going to make? What does the business look like? And now we have to plan accordingly to that.
2: Hmm.
1: So it forced the team to really set uh, new sales forecasts and, and targets. Um, and we we were very conservative in nature. Um, but, you know, the first month we hit our goal. Second month we hit our goal and it was, you know, 40% less than what we we would have normally have you know seen but hmm. we were moving we kept moving and we kept evolving and that to where as things as we learned more and started seeing things change with covid we were able to project better and we were able to you know you know come out of it stronger but um yeah you you can't stop what you're doing
0: interesting so it's External, Extreme external environment situations that affect your confidence and your ability to see the long-term vision forces you to shift into the day-to-day operations so that the day-to-day wins and day-to-day problem solving can slowly build up your confidence in that vision long-term once again. Sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Interesting. And... Any tips for people struggling with confidence? <laughs>
1: um. Well, I would say, um, if you're struggling with confidence, you, I would say to you, you are way more powerful and smarter and capable than what you really think you are, and how to just really shift your lens to really embrace your unique gifts, talents, and strengths, because they're there. They're absolutely there. And if you can tap into them and start moving just small, small wins, small moves to gain a little bit more confidence, that'll be, you know, helpful. Cause, cause I think that's just kind of what's missing. You're just missing the clarity within yourself that you have what it takes. You have it. Every human has, has it. Just something is blocking it. And so really to have the courage, um, the strength, you know, the, the will, the determination to persevere, to, to, uh, move in, in, in a different direction is, is I think, you know, really important and you have it, you have it within you. It's all, it's all there. I think, um, you know, I was talking to an entrepreneur the other day about his business and what we distilled was that he doesn't have a business problem. He has a, he has a people problem and that people problem, it was himself. He's, he couldn't get himself out of the way to take what he's doing and, and really bring it to life in an impactful way. It's all there. It's all there waiting for it to happen. But it's more of a him problem than a product problem. And sometimes it could be a product problem. Um, But from an entrepreneur standpoint, it really comes down to you as a human. Because I think everyone can have a great idea. It's then getting that idea to actually come to life. That's where... You know, that's where all the challenge, that's where all the magic, you know, happens. And that's really, I think, a human having that will and determination to see that vision become a reality.
0: Mm. And how can you differentiate when the root cause of whatever hurdle you're coming across is a business problem or an external problem versus an internal problem? Because, I mean, self-reflection is difficult enough. I think that whenever you're trying to realize if you are the problem, it's very difficult to come to those realizations. You know, so what symptoms do you look for?
1: Well, I mean, I think you need help. Hmm. You need you need you need a mentor. You need a coach. You need a friend. You need something to help mirror you to to be able to see because if people like what your product is, but you can't deliver it to the marketplace why you know um, because if all the all the pieces are there then yeah if it's an engineering problem where the product can't get right then it's probably a product problem you got to keep you know tinkering and tinkering tinkering but um, I you know to me that really comes down to self-analysis you know, which is not easy to do either. But I also think it's, you know, um, setting some goals and, and, and if those goals aren't being met to be able to then really look at and ask those questions, why, what is happening? Why isn't this occurring? Hmm. And you gotta be honest. You gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta be honest with your partners, the people that you're talking to or working with. Um. Because if you're not, then, you know, it's it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Hmm. Uh, that means you're just going to be hiding and um, that's, that's not going to work either. So there's a, there's an analogy that we used um, for when we went through COVID and what I um, talk about and use a lot today. And it's, it's quite fitting because it, fits with our brand and our 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 logo is a is a buffalo so um there's a fact about the buffalo that when a storm comes a buffalo runs into the storm all the other animals the cows the deer the horses the wolves they run away from the storm and so the wisdom behind the buffalo mo- running into the storm is it knows that it'll go through the storm faster and get to the clear blue skies on the other side, you know, faster, right? And if you think about the other the other animals, they're running away from the storm and guess what? The storm is chasing them. It's constant. So think about what that means, you know, if you're just run- you know running away and you're being chased. What's that experience like? And then when the storm comes, usually what you see is the animals stop, they hide, and they just now sit in the storm until it passes until it passes by. And so, you know, our, our big focus during COVID was that was a massive storm. We're going to face it head on and try and get through to the other side as best as, as possible. And that takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of strength and determination um, to, to do that. Um, and if you then look at, we've kind of talked about problems, you know, a lot so far. Um, if you, if you take that analogy, I just gave you this, the, that storm is problems. And if you keep running away from your problems and you keep, it's going to, those problems are going to continue to chase you and chase you and chase you. So, I mean, I think relative to business, if you start seeing the same problems, reoccur reoccur recur that should be a big sign okay i need to figure something out
0: i need you know, to, I face need to something.
1: Ask, yeah i need to face i need to face uh, something and i think you know as you i think what's great in business and when you build a team then you can have people to talk to and 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 see how to best solve this you know um, you know, this problem head on, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, and again, it takes practice. It really does. I think once you have faced um, a problem head on, and you've got through it, it gives you that confidence to, exactly. to do it again, to do it again, to do it again, again, mm-hmm. it go again, I go back to that video game, you know, analogy, because the goal is we want to grow, we want to get to the next the next level
0: mm. yeah and it's all about progressive progress the, the progressive nature of evolution slowly and steadily yeah. and progressively yeah interesting and what support figures or pillars because it is i mean it's a very good analogy because i mean it's easier to go into a storm with a whole bunch of people that you respect and admire and trust than going there by yourself so and sometimes you have to do it by yourself of course you know but you know but
1: uh, you just don't know well i don't know what the scenario is Mm. but i would say you're never truly alone there's always someone there that will be there to support you to face that that scenario and whatever personally or professionally
0: Interesting. And how does that relationship relate to our conversation so far? Because we've we've almost been able to talk about, you know, the trifecta of human relationship, right? The the filtering and qualifying process for partners, uh, the filtering and qualifying process for employees or people that are gonna work into a business, but what about the same thing for support figures? Is it a similar process?
1: Support figures give, In terms give me of, uh people right. that when will you help you example.
0: identify the hurdles that either you yourself are causing or people that can push you towards your, the storm when it's needed.
1: Yeah. So I think, look, I'll, I'll, um, the way I'll answer this is around values. Mm. I think, you know, at Sportique we're very values driven, you know, company, um, which really helps shape and, you know, uh, and drive our, our culture. And I think, you know, alignment is really important when it comes, you know, when it comes to that, whether it's hiring employees, um, working with contractors or supply chain partners, um, things of that nature. And I think support is no different, you know, um, as as well, is I I just think understanding who you are, what you're about is important when you are then going to want to align yourself with the right you know, support because someone might just want to pull you in a completely different direction that doesn't align with your vision or values. So mm. I think th- those things are really, you know, in, important as you look to um, get support. Now, what, one of the things that I've done, and I'm a huge proponent on proponent in, as I've been involved in entrepreneurs organization for the last 10, almost 11 years, Eleven years, and so Entrepreneurs Organization is a global organization that has, you know, local chapters. In my case, in Arizona, where you are uh, engaged peer to peer with other entrepreneurs, and so um, that has been super helpful for me around um, discussing uh, challenges in businesses in life. Um, you know getting to hear and uh, experience that others have had around certain scenarios that um, again help you avoid landmines uh, as you proceed with certain projects because maybe they've already been there done that and learning from them can help you create the right path um, for ourselves in, in an endeavor that we want to do so I think those are that's a great you know, finding peer to peer support, you know, specifically as an entrepreneur, I think is really important because it can be very, very challenging. Uh, I mean, it is, it is very, very challenging period. So to be able to have peers that you can talk to is, is great.
0: Hmm. And when you're developing, I think
1: having a mentor, I think having a mentor is important. Having a coach is important. Like people, you know, that you can really, um, uh, Be comfortable sharing, you know, feelings and, you know, confidential information.
0: Hmm. And when you're developing the, as you said, the values required to make those types of decisions in terms of knowing who the right people to bring around your life are, are those values also a result of failure and learning and reflection? say that again Uh, what is what
1: is a result of the
0: the values that you need as a foundation to make a decision on what people you want in your life whether it be employees partners or support figures do those values come from mistakes and learning from the mistakes as well or are those values something that you just reflect upon and decide on well
1: it's a little bit of both um I will say when we put together the sportique values, yeah, it was very conscious driven around what we um, stand for, what we want to be about, who we want to be about. Cause I think values are really important cause it helps. They really help with um, behavior first and foremost, how are we treating one another? How are we communicating? How are we making decisions that when something, when X happens, how can I look to our values to help solve this scenario or communicate this in the right, in the right way? Okay. And so just because we have values doesn't mean we always make the right decisions. We are human. So we have made hires that were not great culture fits, but once we learned that we, 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 we righted, you know, the ship, you know, right. So I'm, So maybe this person was great performance wise, but was just not a great cultural values person. And it was, you know, a big challenge. So, um, you know, the analogy, you know, that I that I'll share is, you know, if you have a room of 10 people and you have, um, uh, you know, one person is sick. Well, those nine people can't make that one person better, right? But that one person can get all those nine people sick, right? So to me, when we're going back to what we were talking about, you know, being product specific to now people specific, as we add people and we start, you know, uh, scaling and we're adding people. We need to be making sure that we're bringing in the right people that are actually going to make the culture better. So that's really a big focus. Is, mm. is yes, we need to bring in the right skill set, but are we also bringing in the right person that's going to enhance our culture, not bring it down? Because I feel, to the degree that we're growing as people and growing our culture, the business part is going to will follow. Will
0: follow. Of course, we'll be an um, organic result yeah. Amazing, Matt. Wow. Okay. Well, last question before we sort of wrap this, this entire episode up. And I guess the question that I would like to ask you would be if you could give, you know, if you could, if you, if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, maybe when you were on you know stage one of your business, when you were struggling with the product the manufacturing, all those different factors, what would be the biggest advice you would give to yourself and why?
2: Hmm.
1: Um, I would say wow, just continue to get better at being you. Um and then I would say, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, we, we spent a lot of time stress, stressing about what could happen. Um, but if you are continually getting better, you continually move and have a growth and learning mindset, everything will, everything will be all right.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Awesome. Matt. Well, that was, I think that was a very educational episode. Um, I'm still thinking and reflecting about things myself. So I'm pretty sure the audience is going to be doing that just <laughs> as well. <laughs> but uh, hey, man, I just want to thank you for taking the time and sharing all that valuable information. It means a lot to myself and I'm sure it means a lot to my audience. So uh, thanks. It means a lot.
1: Yeah, you're, you're most welcome. I appreciate uh, the time we had together.